0: Get ready, roll, get ready, roll, get ready to roll, get ready to roll, get ready to roll, get ready to roll,
1: get ready, roll, get ready, roll Purple, get ready to roll indeed. This is the College and Kimball Podcast. I am your host, Jeff Burkhart. Farmageddon Week has finally arrived as K-State and Iowa State get set to do battle in Ames this coming Saturday. The Wildcats, of course, hoping to move their conference record to 3-0 heading into their bye week. Additionally, K-State wanting to exercise some demons in this matchup. The Wildcats have dropped three out of the last four in the series to Iowa State, and Kansas State has not won an AIM since 2016. The coaches and players very much aware of the type of effort it's going to require if they do hope to come out of a raucous atmosphere with a big-time victory. On the flip side for Iowa State, this is a team that has started 0-2 in Big 12 play and is in desperate need of a win on its home field. The offense really has not adhered to the type of personality that we've seen defined by Matt Campbell and offensive coordinator Tom Manning over the last several years. While the unit has sputtered in the first couple of Big 12 games, make no mistake about it, the defense is more than capable of picking up the slack and getting Iowa State over the hump to a much-needed conference victory this coming Saturday. Plenty of narratives at play. With all that being said, let's go ahead and dive into this episode of Up Next and get a deeper look at the Iowa State Cyclones. Design roll.
0: Extension kicks make touchdown Xavier Hutchinson This young man is gone to the end zone number 21 Jairo
1: His legal name is Levi, but he is affectionately known as Wide Right Natty Light on Twitter. Go ahead and give him a follow if you haven't already done so. Levi, I know you probably don't want to revisit this most recent game against KU, but I I wanted to start there. Frankly, I went into that matchup thinking that Iowa State would be the team to silence the chatter that's been surrounding the KU football program here in recent weeks of the college football season. And... To an extent, they did, just with what the defense did and limiting this really explosive KU offense, just 14 points, didn't give KU much of anything in the second half. But on the flip side of the coin, you have wasted opportunities by the offense and plus territory. You have special teams miscues. You can point the finger to a number of different things, certainly not the defense, though. And I know losing to KU this season with the Jayhawks now sitting at 5-0 and and being ranked, it certainly doesn't sting the way it would have had you lost to the Hawks at any other point in the last decade plus. But you're now 0-2 in Big 12 play, and I just wanted to check what's the pulse of Cyclone Nation and how are they feeling just about the overall trajectory of the season, having most recently come up on the short end against the Hawks.
0: I'd be lying to you to tell you if I'd be lying to you if I told you that I was as confident now as I was at the beginning of the season. Um, the defense has been every bit as good as we thought it would have, as we thought it would be. Um, it's been it's right now I think in yards per play terms I think it's like still a top five top ten defense in the country. Um, they've been very very good at defending the run. They're a, they're a decent pass defending unit, but they haven't played necessarily an elite passing attack yet. Um, but and they, you know, and they they held Kansas to like two first downs in the second half. I mean, Kansas was Kansas's offense, which had been very explosive up to this point in the season, was basically non-existent in the second half. Um, but the problem is, is that Iowa State's offense is currently in shambles, and not just nothing's happening. The running game isn't working very well. It doesn't help when you're probably your two best running backs are out, so they're on their third string running back right now, which doesn't help. Um, the offensive line has had a had a, a little bit of a rough season. At uh, this point, and Hunter Decker's is only in his fifth start, and he's playing like it. And he's making some really good, making some making some really good throws, and making some absolutely nonsensical decisions. And but really, to top it all off, though, is that I'm of the believer that Tom Manning, the offensive coordinator, is doing a very poor job this season. Um, that's kind of the general belief of a lot of Cyclone fans. Um, is that his, his his play calling has not. Even given Hunter Decker as an opportunity to succeed, um, and he's also not taking advantage of Xavier Hutchinson. I mean, Xavier's piling up a lot of catches and stuff like that, and a lot of, but a lot of it's on crossing routes and out and short out routes and stuff like that. It's it's not stuff that is is making a huge impact necessarily, um, which is a shame because Xavier is one of the most talented receivers in college football. I would argue that he's the best one in, in the Big Twelve, and I, I think there's a pretty good pretty good argument for it. And you could make an argument that he's probably a top five or better receiver in the country Um, but they're not taking advantage of him right now it's infuriating Um, not to mention they're you know not taking advantage of him to the fullest opportunity but they're also they've got a bunch of other receivers that they're not taking advantage of either Um, this this obsessed this obsessive commitment to dinking and dunking their way up the field and try to win the game three yards at a time um, is pretty annoying Um, and it's not putting Iowa State in position at all and it reflected last week, and they put up 11 points and didn't. Re- and like, you know, th- there was one touchdown pass that Xavier Hutchinson probably should have caught, Um and he he didn't. And sometimes drops happen. Um, and but you know, probably should have caught that. But really, that was the only other time where I would say it looked like it was threatening to score a, a touchdown. Obviously, had three missed field goals, and the last one being particularly painful. But, um, in the end, touchdowns win games, field goals don't, and. Right now, I would say it's having a tremendous time, a tremendously difficult time moving the football in and scoring right now. And it's it doesn't bode well, especially when you have a special teams unit that has also been kind of a disaster this season. Um, if you're going to play if you're going to try to play like Kirk Ferentz and Bill Snyder and try to play like the Hayden coach Hayden Fry coaching tree. You have to have good special teams to pair with your really good defense. You can have a tra- you can have a, an absolutely terrible offense, but if you have really good de- defense and a really good special teams, that'll keep you in and win you a lot of football games. Um, I would say it's got the one got one piece down. They have an exceptionally good defense that is surprisingly leading the conference in turnovers generated, which is not something that J- John Haycock's defenses have done in the past. They've typically been pretty pretty light on on gen- on forcing turnovers, um, but they're leading the conference in ter- in enforcing turnovers right now. And which is you know, given the offense, the extra possessions we've Matt Campbell's always wanted, and now the offense isn't doing anything. Um, and it's been it's been stagnant this whole season, basically. I mean, it looked fine against Ohio and Southeast Missouri, but that's Ohio and Southeast Missouri. It's not a not even a power, you know, one of them's not even an FBS program or whatever. So obviously they're gonna look fine against those teams. Um but the offense is doing is is making it worse and special teams is is really really bad right now. If the offense and the defense are both good, maybe you know you can overcome some of the special teams stuff, but right now one one unit is performing as we thought it would and that's the defense.
1: Is this a case of identity crisis because I was going back and looking at the numbers last year because I just felt like Iowa State under Tom Manning it always had really good balance in and, and pass attempts last year, right around 34 rush attempts, right around 32. And again, when you've got an all timer, like Brees Hall, you can absolutely allow him to shoulder the workload in the running game and whatnot. And I guess, do you feel like the the personnel necessarily isn't there for them to, to try and do this, this Texas textile, dink it and duck it nickel and diamond down the field type of attack or or I guess where where's the biggest frustration there is? Is it just a matter of execution? Is it Decker's yeah, the deep has ball a, strength? Sorry, go
0: they're ahead. still running the same scheme that they ran with Brock Purdy and Charlie Kohler and Chase Allen and all that. And Brees Hall, you know, when you know probably the best running back in college football for the for a couple of years. And and you know when you have a running back that is as good as Brees Hall was, you can make a lot of things work. Um, and they ran an offense that had two all American tight ends, a, a fourth year, a starting quarterback, uh, a couple of good, really good reliable receivers. And, and obviously then, you know, like I said, Brace hall, whatever, this offense is different. It one, the quarterback is different. He he's a much more like naturally gifted passer. Um, like he, I mean, he's got an, an, a, an electric arm. The dude's got an absolute bazooka for a left arm, which is a, which is a little bit of a departure from what we've had with Brock Purdy, where he's. Accurate. He has, he has enough arm, but not something that's going to blow you away. And and you know, he's an he's an effective scrambler, but not anyone that's gonna like kill you with his legs or anything like that. Hunter is fast enough to do a lot of damage in the running game if used utilized properly. His arm can really stretch the field if utilized properly. Um, you have a you don't you don't have two all American tight ends. You have a couple decent pass catchers. They're not world beaters by any stretch of the imagination. They're kind of bad. They're kind of bad blockers. Easton Dean has really struggled in blocking, which he's a converted quarterback. So I'm not, sh- I'm not sure how much you can, ex- you could really realistically- Yeah. I'm not sure how you could realistically have expected from him, but he's been, I mean, he's, he's a, he's, a, he's a, certainly a solid pass catcher, but that's, that's kind of about it. You're definitely not building your offense around either of those two guys. Like you would, like you'd like they did with Charlie Kohler and Chase Allen. Um, but you do, have Xavier Hutchinson. You do have Jalen Knoll. You do have Dimitri Stanley. So you have a you have a, a nice depth of re, a depth at receiver and a lot of different kinds of receivers. You know, Xavier Xavier Hutchinson's that he's a big time, super awesome route runner, really great after the catch. You know, he's he's kind of the the modern prototype receiver where he's a really excellent route runner, got good hands on, you know, doesn't have to be a speed demon, doesn't have to be this big, you know, Alan Lazard type where he's just gonna tower and tower over people and physically outmuscle them, type of thing. He's just really, really excellent at his craft that is what Xavier Hutchinson is Jalen Knowles classic slot guy Dmitri Stanley is a burner I mean like a just for a, a a more high level name like a like a Deshaun Jackson type where you're gonna you're gonna send him deep and send him deep and send him deep and it's been working I mean he's toasting dudes on the back end but they're not throwing it to him well correction the last two games they'll throw it to him once they've connected with D- Demetrius Stanley on a 30-yard pass each of the last two weeks and then never went back to it they, they'll they'll throw it to him once down the field and that's it. And it's it's maddening because this offense is designed to run with an all-American tight you know an all-American running back and two all-American tight ends and a in a you know fourth year senior that started a million and a half games or whatever. And you're running it with a quarterback in his fifth start, two eh, tight ends, a running ga- a running game that's still trying to find a lead back. Darrell Brock seems to be the the you know the lead guy there or whatever but he's not He's good, but he's not Brees Hall or David Montgomery. I mean, he's he's not those two guys. Um, and they just the offense hasn't adjusted at all. <laughs> they haven't they haven't changed anything, which is like the first thing you should do as an offensive coordinator is tailor your scheme to fit your personnel, and they have not done that at all. I mean, the passing scheme right now is a, is a complete waste of Xavier Hutchinson.
1: You mentioned the running back position, and I know Brock very much physically looks the part of what Montgomery and Hall were six foot two twenty kind of fits the mold there. But I know there's questions about availability. You mentioned a couple of guys being on the shelf. Who, who are we expecting to see out there getting the lion share of the carries this coming Saturday?
0: Well, fortunately for, uh, you know, interestingly enough, Kansas state won't be the only teams trotting out a five, I don't know, five, five, starting running back. <laughs> Cause that's what Dion Silas is. He's by he's five he's on the roster as five, six. That feels pretty generous. Kind of like Deuce Vaughn. Uh, Deion Silas is not as good as Deuce Vaughn is, Um, but that's probably who it'll be to start off with. They'll get some Eli Sanders too, which I don't know what to expect out of him. I mean, he's got good speed, but the vision's not, not quite there yet. Cartavius Norton and Gerald Brock are both out though. We do know that Um, they're not, I mean, unless something changes, I guess. Something could change, but as of right now, I'm not expecting either of them to play. Um, which is unfortunate because Jarrell Brock's your hammer. If you need a couple of yards, you can get him, hit him on an inside zone. That dude can just hammer and get you a first down. Um, and you don't have that right now. You have, a, you have a five, five running back. That's not that. And um, that's pretty worrisome for a team. That's trying to find some footing offensively, um, trying to build a successful offense around without really having a successful running game is pretty hard. Um it's a lot easier. You know, it's been done in the past to have want to build a a successful one without a pass. Oh, sorry, without a passing game. Um, Nebraska did for a long time. Kansas State's kind of doing it this year. <laughs> uh, to be just, just to be you know to be honest about it. Um, no shade at me. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say. I mean, that's just kind of what's happening right now. If you look at like uh, like the uh, EPA totally the, expe- the expected uh, expected points per attempt. Or whatever Kansas state is actually their passing game. is actually a little bit worse than Iowa state's amazingly. I don't, don't know how that happens. So, um, you know, the, the passing games will not be on display. Well, I don't know. Kansas state doesn't, you know, they're not going to rely on their passing game on Saturday and Iowa state is going to have to, even though it's not very good. Um, so I, I don't, I'm not sure what to, what to make of all that, but, um, it's just, it's hard because it's hard. It's hard not to watch this and be frustrated because it seems like everybody watching is in agreement that the scheme is bad. They're, the play calling has been poor. They're not making the right decisions at the right time. Hunter's Hunter doesn't seem to like the the passing scheme doesn't fit his skill set or his experience level. It doesn't like every like everything on this offense is set up for failure. That's what it seems like. That's that's like the consensus opinion, or or near consensus opinion across the fan base. But it's been like this for three games now, and nobody can. Like it it just doesn't seem like unless something unexpected happened. It doesn't, it just doesn't seem like anything's changing or anything will change this year. I don't know if anything will change this year. I, you know, I, I have no idea. I right now, I don't have any reason to believe so. So I, I kind of have to assume that this is the offense we're just going to have for 2022, which sucks because we're, there's, we kind of wasting Xavier Hutchinson, which technically he can come back for another year. I can't see any reason why he would.
1: Um, yeah, we're all having that same hope our way for produce Vaughn and not <laughs> not overly optimistic it's going to happen. Uh, but uh, as as far as the line is concerned, I, I, I mean, is I, I think not to belabor the point here, but... I don't, well, I don't even know what the line is. The The offensive line.
0: Oh, the offensive line. I thought you were talking about gambling line. Never mind. Never mind.
1: <laughs> no, I was just asking, like, as far as the offensive line goes, it, it, like, there's still plenty of returning experience there with, with Downing and and Simmons and, and and again, uh, not to belabor the point about like identity shift, but I I feel like you have enough there for holes to open up in the running game to give him time to, to give Decker's time to throw. Are are there any concerns uh, on the line? Any weak spots?
0: (laughs) There's a a shitload of concerns. (laughs) the, the, The line has been garbage. I mean, there's like a couple guys have had, 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 Generally speaking, pretty decent seasons. Uh, Jared Hufford on the left guard has been had a pretty good season or whatever. He's, you know, every, every lineman has their occasional hiccup, but, you know, for the most part, he's been pretty good. Tyler Miller has been not too bad. Um, Jake Remsburg, when he's played, he hasn't played hardly this season, but he played a little bit last Saturday and he played well in that in that little bit of action. So three of your five, you feel pretty decent about T- Trevor Downing, which is, I would say, it's the most experienced lineman and kind of, you know, the best, quote unquote, Whatever, he's been he's switched to center this season. Um, some games he's been really good. Last Saturday was very, very poor. Um, and the right guard, Daryl Simmons, has had a rough season, it's been kind of bad. Um, it's a, it's a big, it's a huge concern because I mean, if if they can't keep Hunter Decker, get, they can't give him time and they can't give one of these running backs space, then say it's not going anywhere. And it's kind of what it is. <laughs> it's a huge concern on the offensive line, especially, I mean. Forgive me, I cannot pronounce his name. What's the defensive end? What's his name?
1: Uh, Felix and Udike Uzama. Yes, him.
0: <laughs> um he has a I mean, there's a there's potentially he does a lot of damage on Saturday. I don't I don't like I'm not gonna not i am not going to not going to lie to you. Especially because while they beat Ohio and it wasn't really close, Ohio may have actually done a lot of damage just on tape, because they ran a whole bunch of stunts on the on the defensive line. That's kind of what they do. They run lots of twists, lots of stunts on the on the defensive line. And, uh, it kind of worked and Baylor and Kansas both saw this and they ran stunts and Iowa state handled them poorly, very poorly. Um, I would be, I would, uh, I would expect Kansas state is seeing that on film and is going to send, and is going to send your defensive end on some stunts and it could absolutely wreck shop doing that. I'm, I am terrified of the proposition of having a couple <laughs> a good defensive line running stunts against us. I mean, stunts are like stunts are these are these things you're supposed to run like a few times a game and like it's like it's like a a flea flicker. You're running like once or twice a game and that's just kind of what it is or whatever like you like not even not even a flea flicker. That's not quite like stunts are like a like a corner blitz. Like you're only going to run them maybe a couple times a game at the most, or whatever because they 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 do they can leave you really exposed, but if you time them up properly, they can, they can affect huge change. They can create a huge negative play or a sack or something like that. The last couple of teams have made a habit. They're, they're, I mean, they're stunting quite pretty frequently. Um, And that's causing a lot of problems.
1: And that's,
0: I mean, uh, yeah, the offensive line is having a bad time.
1: It'll be interesting to see how the K-State defense does approach it. We saw Felix get three sacks, and he wasn't even named Big 12 Defensive Player of the Week. Uh, that honor went to Khalid Duke, who also had three sacks for the Wildcats against uh, Texas Tech this past Saturday. And, and frankly, I, I think this this is a game that's going to be a, a, a rock fight because of, I think, the amount of respect that K-State has for the, the Iowa State defense. And, and I guess, what's your... What's your comfort level, just in terms of that unit going out and, and keeping opponents under twenty? Because I feel like just with the, what they've shown to date, that's that's usually pretty su- safe bet, right? I, I, th-
0: I think it's a, I think it's a virtual certainty certainty that Kansas State scores somewhere between seventeen and twenty four points. Um, feel feel very confident in that. I mean, potentially lower, potentially a little bit higher. Maybe it's maybe it's fourteen to twenty seven, uh, but right around in there, high teens low 20s is kind of where I would where I would expect if something if that's not where Kansas State ends up if they ends up if they end up higher than that then something then then Kansas State found a wrinkle or something didn't quite go right or maybe there's an injury or something like that if everything kind of goes as we kind of think it's gonna 17 to 24 points for Kansas State you can bank on it in in my in my opinion
1: now I was curious for the defensive side as well. We, we know Will McDonald that gets mentioned in the same breath as Will Anderson and also the aforementioned King yep. Felix as well. How is he holding up just with all the additional attention that he's getting and, and everything from the offensive lines? How has he been holding up against that?
0: He's handled it about as well as he can. And I mean, and forcing, you know, forcing teams to dedicate half their offensive line to stopping him is valuable. Um, it helps when the guys across from him are also being effective. MJ Anderson and uh, Tyler and have, have had good starts to the season, especially MJ Anderson um, had a really nice sack last week. You know, he's young, so he's a little inconsistent, but he's got huge potential. Um, we saw last week in Kansas, especially in the second half, he got free and made a couple TFLs. Um, and when he gets a chance, when some team is silly enough to only dedicate one blocker to him, he causes a lot of problems. Um, we saw Kansas they doubled him basically in the entire game, and there was like three plays where they didn't. One of them they held him and got penalized for it, and the other two were TFLs. Um, because I've still I I'm not sure if there tape exists of one person getting in of stopping Will McDonald without holding him. Doesn't always get called, but it's a rare a a very rare feat indeed. Um he's he's an excellent defensive lineman. He needs help at times or just because he can't you know if you're getting double and triple team you can't do it himself um but he's handled it as well as he can
1: and looking at the next level of the defense uh, i know orion vance is the one that you you can rely on for just just about anything there in the middle. he's been there forever i, I was curious though colby reader er, early returns on him just because that was a battle that K-State, a recruiting battle rather that K-State and Iowa State were obviously in on both of the or both in on him and he ultimately ends up selecting uh, the Cyclones and he's put up some decent numbers to date but how do you feel like he's made the transition pretty smoothly or have there been some hiccups here and there? Uh,
0: overall I think he's done a really well, I think he's done a really nice job overall. There's been a couple spots where he's just making some transitions or like he's he's you know, still kind of getting used to the defense and he's you know maybe in the wrong spot here or there once in a while but for the most part been very good and uh now i will say first half last week he struggled a bit to the point where he kind of got kind of got benched towards the end of the first half came back in the second half and was outstanding even i mean the 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 complaint if if you had a complaint about Colby reader would be kind of his his sideline to sideline quickness which is kind of a, a little bit of uh, the main difference between him and mike rose because mike rose had a ton of sideline to sideline quickness that was his deal a very fast linebacker um Colby reader is probably that that would be his knock is, is his sideline to sideline quickness. Um, but in the second half, he ran down Jason, he chased down Jason Bean from behind um, uh, Kansas scoreback. And he's got, he's got some wheels. Um, so feel pretty good about it. Um, feel very good about Colby reader and Ryan Vance. Ryan Vance has been a, a fumbled machine the last few, last few weeks, really this whole season. He's, he's stripping balls. He's hopping on, on, he's recovering fumbles. It's been pretty impressive to watch the one I will say I have concerns about is Gary Vaughn. Um, he has struggled at times. He some his gap discipline isn't great and he takes poor pursuit angles at time. Um, like more than I would like. Um, and and that, that can really burn him sometimes. Um, I would assume Kansas state will probably kind of go after him, um, and try to take and try to exploit that and make him make him take good angles. Um, the the defense is made to force, is, is basically made to spill all the runs outside. You know, either either you eat it right at the defensive tackle or you spill it outside where the linebackers or the safeties can go and take care of it type of thing. That's that's what it's designed to do. Um, the safeties have been very good uh, in run support this year. Malik Ferdon and Jeremiah Cooper and Anthony Johnson have all been very, very good in run, in run support there too. Um, so if they do, if it does appear that Kansas State start, starts kind of running at Gary Vaughn to try to exploit his weaknesses there, I would expect, I would say, to kind of adjust a little bit to to have, give him a, some safety help on that side um, to help deal with the running game. Um, but that's that would be the, the point of concern there.
1: Not quite sure how K-State elects to attack this defense as far as the run game, just because we've seen such a a surge in Adrian Martinez carries over the last couple of weeks where we really, the whole MO we were told going into the season was that Adrian wanted to carry the ball less. Well, lo and behold, he, Totes it twenty one times against Oklahoma. Yeah, now he's Tommy Frazier. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. And 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 this past Saturday, he he goes for almost like fifteen yards of carry against Texas Tech. But again, I think a lot of that just gets back to if if you're busting off those kind of runs, that's because you've caught a defense flat footed. Yeah, you found a wrinkle.
0: You found you found something. You found a spot in the
1: defense that you can go after. And I just. No, with Heacock's group, that's really not gonna necessarily be on yeah, the table. Saying, it's uh,
0: Heacock's group's quite a bit saltier than Texas Tech. <laughs> um, um I would I would if you hit I would not expect both running back both both Adrian Martinez and Deuce Vaughn to be going off for a you know a buck fifty a piece or whatever it was last week. I would I if that was if that's your expectation, I would probably temper that expectation a little bit. Because especially the last few years, Deuce Vaughn has not done much against Iowa State specifically. I would say it has done a very good job of bottling up Deuce Vaughn. Um now they haven't had Adrian, Mart- a guy like Adrian Martinez, to pair him with, because uh, Skylar Thompson was hurt in twenty twenty, and he was hurt in twenty twenty. I think he played last year, but the Kansas, they can't say wasn't really running him a ton because they were trying to keep him healthy, basically. Um, so a little bit different since you have that running threat from the quarterback. Um, so I would assume, and they'll they will probably, I assume, see on tape last week that Kansas was able to have some success uh, success with some speed options and stuff like that, some old school speed options um off to the side and i could see kansas state trying to run that a little bit and letting adrian martinez and and uh induce vaughn try to impact that especially to gary vaughn's side um and try to take advantage of some over aggressiveness from from that side of the field
1: well frankly i was a little bit just looking projecting ahead and seeing Iowa State just go in and sit on Can because the first team that's really done anything to this Kansas offense. Now, granted, they haven't played any defense with a pulse going right, into that right, game. Right. But the fact that they were just able to go in, and, and I know what Leipold likes to do, they, they run a lot of the same action and everything. I mean, they, for all intents and purposes, they have a college offense. You're, you're yeah. going to see zone read concepts and things like that. There's going to be more... QB power H guard sure. tray counteract like you're gonna see a lot of more design quarterback draws, not necessarily right, just right, right, right. don't mean exclusive, but yeah, it'll that that's gonna be interesting to see. And again, uh, K-State just what they've shown in the passing game to date has me a little apprehensive. And and the big thing that they did against Oklahoma was just popping a couple deep shots to the H back Ben Sennett over the middle that really just kind of loosened things up and, and was so instrumental in creating all of those running lanes for Martinez and Vaughn. And, and you talked about it too, last year, Deuce Vaughn actually held, he got 99 yards against Iowa state, but I, I was at that game and I could tell you just, it never once felt like K-State was he, really, he, it in was kind of, he, he,
0: he, he accumulated those yards, but it never felt like he was like
1: taking over the game or anything like that. No. Not, not to the extent that he he had that certainly that he did last week, and what Adrian Martinez has been able to do right. these past couple of weeks. Right. And I, I think the big thing, uh, just in terms of what's going to really mold this game, it, it, is ball security. You talked about two turnovers. K State and Iowa State one and two in the Big Twelve in terms of turnovers forced and. and one or two, one way or the other in this game could all of a sudden open up what's going to be likely to your point, like a 17 to 20 ish game. All of a sudden that becomes a, a 31 to 10 type of game, you know? No,
0: <laughs> I don't think anybody's scoring 31 points in this game. <laughs> I don't know what the over
1: under is, but it's, Oh, it's, it's... It, I'm taking the under. I
0: would, I would pound the under with your entire mortgage. <laughs> um, but <sighs> it, you're, I, I do agree with you that the turnovers could could be a huge factor in this thing. The problem is is that one, neither offense is explosive um, by most definitions, and two, Iowa State like could theoretically be explosive just based on available personnel, but they just refuse to be. So like Iowa State kind of steps on it, just keeps consistently putting a rake in front of itself to step on all the time, <laughs> and it's not even they're not even just like stepping on random rakes; they are. They are actively placing rakes in front of themselves to step on. Um where what the phase of this that really worries me, I think can actually absolutely change this game of special teams. I mean, having a guy like Malik Knowles back there, I'd rather just kick it out and give it to K State at the thirty-five than 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 let Malik Knowles return it. I think that's no thanks.
1: And that's a great segue. I was gonna ask you how are we feeling about Jace Gilbert, who uh, up until last week had been relatively solid, but just had, I, I don't know. Just I mean, had a bad he's, he's day. A, bad day. True, at the he's office. a true
0: freshman kicker that had a real bad day, and and honestly, I think I think that he should have never been sent out there for that third field goal. I, th- I mean, I think it was it was obvious that he wasn't he wasn't in the right head space. I mean, he he hit two off of the off of the upright that day. I mean, he made one in between, but like he he hit two off the upright, and now it's a critical juncture. He's a true freshman from the left hash, so I mean, like now he's gonna be trying to overcorrect or whatever, like, which is exactly what happened. Like, I, he should have never been sent out there for the third one, in my opinion. I, I don't, I think that was destined to fail, especially when it's like fourth and a half a yard and you could just sneak it with your 6'3", 230-pound quarterback. There's no reason in my, in my mind, there's no justification whatsoever for kicking that field goal. You either play to win the game or you play to hopefully not lose and, it's, and you're hanging your hat on a true freshman kicker that's already missed two field goals that game. And not only that, but let's say he makes it and you go to overtime. Overtimes often, often come down to they all like kickers play a huge role in overtime. Now they play a little bit less role of an overtime now that like you go to just two-point conversions so fast. Sure. Or whatever. But even in the first couple of overtimes, kickers play a humongous role or whatever in overtime. So not only are you taking the first bet that he's gonna somehow make that field goal after missing most of his field goals that day. You are also placing a second bet. You are you are you are tacitly placing a second bet on your on your that same kicker to make another field goal or so or some or a critical extra point something like that in overtime to again not lose. So you're playing you you're you're flipping a coin to not lose twice, or you're or you're kind of flipping a coin that's weighted in your favor to potentially win the game. And it seems like it just seems like an objectively wrong decision to me. I don't like the risk reward for either situation to me greatly favors trying to sneak that there. And if you don't make it there, then it is what it is. You tried, you tried to win and that's just what it is. Um, but I, as far as Jay's Gilbert goes, I have no idea what I don't know. I don't know what the psyche of a true freshman kicker that just missed three field goals, including a, including a game tying field goal. Oh, that's insane. above my pay grade. Jeez. <laughs> I have no, I have no idea. Like I have no idea what that, what that headspace looks like. No, I, no clue. He could be fried. He could be a a super mentally tough individual and he comes back and has a great game. I have no idea. He's a college kicker. I mean, college kickers inherently are are chaotic,
1: as they say. Yeah. I was going to, and I, I remember watching the Mizzou, Georgia game where, you know, the week before, Meavis biffs one from inside of 30, and then, which is
0: crazy, which is funny because that's Andrew Meavis's brother or whatever, but that Meavis is actually better than Andrew Meavis was or whatever. Like, (laughs) like his brother at Mizzou is like, Grows probably going to win the Grozo. Good, like I mean, he's an exceptionally good kicker, and he is still chaotic as shit because he's in college.
1: Yeah, and yeah, no, it's <laughs> it's it's a proposition. And again, I I too like you was was stunned. I, I know Deckers isn't mobile, but man, you don't have to be mobile to get a half yard. <laughs> oh <laughs>
0: like, oh no, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, pump the brakes there.
1: <laughs> Deckers absolutely is
0: mobile. He the scheme does not do it, and for whatever reason, he refuses to tuck and run it. That dude. I mean, that dude probably will like if he if he just ran a four like a forty yard dash, he's probably under four six. I mean, the dude the dude can scoot if he wants to. Right now, he's not doing that much to the much to the uh, uh, the chagrin of Iowa State fans is that because we we know he can run. Hunter Deckers absolutely is mobile. He is just not playing like a mobile quarterback if that makes sense.
1: No, I got gotcha. you. And, and, and again, I'm I'm looking at this just purely off of, of what I see at the numbers and what I'm sure, watching yeah, during yeah, the game. Yeah, yeah, and, th- and that's I'll, fair.
0: That's fair. No, no,
1: you're 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 fine. And, and again, I, I saw he was listed as a dual threat coming out of high school. And, and there, there has to be a typo on the Iowa State depth chart on their game notes because they let him listed at 206. And I'm like, I'm guessing he was maybe 206 his sophomore year in high school. He's well, just a he, big he dude. Was,
0: <laughs> he was a big dude last year and lost a ton of weight and got down to like 215. Or something like that, so that like two o six is probably a little light, but he's not like he's not i mean he's not like like he was up to like two hundred fifty pounds last year he's not that he's like two twenty two thirty or whatever um, but he's plenty tall enough and plenty strong enough to push forward a half a yard yeah. like whatever i uh, mean to me that to, <laughs> to me that was just like that was like you you're admitting that you're fine with losing this game like.
1: no it's it's one of those things too like on the road against it and and again it's KU's defense and and I know to that point terrible
0: yeah they're not good
1: and and I know at that point you've had plenty of opportunities that have been squandered but like that's kind of what K-State did when they ran up against Tulane they just got too football brained and and decided to like just try and bang heads again in, in a lot of short yardage situations and got turned away a bunch but there is there are instances where like guys let's let's just go get it you know and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but I guess to to kind of to bring it home here I, I wanted to ask at at, at the macro level of this game night game aims from what I was able to find in researching the win in the dark uniforms I believe Iowa State is seven and one with the only loss being the Big Twelve Championship game correct me if I'm wrong there
0: that sounds correct
1: okay. I, I feel like this is really this is very much the wounded animal needing to get it done to to write the season because it, it's not like this the Big Twelve is going to be forgiving at any juncture throughout the rest of the there
0: are, year. There's no punching bags left, and it
1: sucks. <laughs> like there's, I, I there's think West Virginia left. might. Be, there's going to be a point where I think West Virginia starts to pack it in, but honestly, like that's yeah, even West that's Virginia really is dangerous enough where they where you
0: can yeah like 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 you can't you can't just like. You can't like treat West Virginia this year, even on a, even on a bad day. You can still can't treat West Virginia like you could Kansas two years ago or something like that, where you can be where you can just ignore them basically. No, no
1: not at all. But I guess uh, I, I just uh, not to beat around the bush here. But did the guys rally just being at home, the comfort of, of Jack Trice Stadium? Do they do they come out inspired? Do they feel like they're going to get it done, or is there just too much in flux to feel? confident about this team just on this saturday and moving forward
0: there's too much not in <laughs> like the pro- the problem here is that nothing has changed they're doing the same thing they've tried to they're running the same offense they ran in 2019 like i mean right now for iowa state to have a a notable change on offense and, and a notable j- change in offensive output something Something they've never done this season so far would have to happen. Like they'd have to have a they'd have to have a philosophy change on the on the fly, like not only to something that's more aggressive that they should have been playing this whole time, but something that Kansas State hasn't seen and they don't have tape on. That that is what would be required for Iowa State's offensive output to to significantly change this weekend. And this staff changes slowly. Um, I'm. <laughs> If Iowa State wins, it's because they got a couple turnovers on defense, and maybe they connected a freak deep ball to Demetrius Stanley or something like that. And and Kansas State struggles on offense. Um, I don't I don't I don't feel confident about this game. I I I was I went on my own podcast last night and predicted seventeen ten Wildcats. That said, forty-two ten Iowa State because this is a Kansas State podcast. I'll go to hell. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I mean like realistically though, I I would take can if I were if I were a betting guy, I would take Kansas State to cover. I don't know what the I don't know what the spread is, but like
1: it's K State by two, and that to oh, me I is to cover that. that is uh, that that is very much Vegas. I think trying to bait you into like this is Iowa State at home, and I, I believe if I saw correctly, the the loss at home to Baylor was the first. Uh, they didn't lose at home in conference play the the season prior, and I think the the year before that. I, I want to say it was It'd eleven, a while cons- since 11 home consecutive home players. games they had not lost. Uh, the, pro- the problem
0: players. here is that his, just the last little while, Matt Campbell. Actually, not really the last little, while, Matt Campbell in general. Matt Campbell's teams have actually been really bad in close spread games. When um, <laughs> when the when the, when it's an evenly matched team, and it's a close game, we fall apart. <laughs> Like if it's a team that we can upset and we got a chance at them, all of a sudden, they get more aggressive and they do what they should be doing the whole time, which is being more vertical and taking more risks and things like that. And it works out. they beat they beat good teams pretty regularly. Um, but then, for whatever reason, they just decide against teams like the, where they feel like they you know where they're not playing with house money, if they feel like if they feel like it's a close game or it's a close op- it's a close opponent they just get extraordinarily conservative and and it, it it kills them almost every time and it sucks
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it, it's going to be for for the casual college football fl- uh, football fan i'm i'm guessing ESPNU is probably not going to be part of your night slate cuz I, I i feel like we're just in for a game that's going to be ugly it's gonna have a lot of uh, you should if you are somebody who loves defense you'll probably get to see some very nice defensive play but i i do not think this is going to be very aesthetically pleasing to watch but uh, it'll be it, it'll be a good one no doubt about that uh, again both teams with a, a, a lot to gain i'll say that much i feel like iowa state a win can get them heading in the right direction k-state a win at 3-0 and and the big 12 going into a bye week would obviously be monumental for the cats so it'll be a fun one no doubt about that uh Levi, appreciate your time as always, my man, before I do cut you loose here, uh, where can our listeners find you on Twitter and where can they check out your alls content?
0: Uh, the best way to find it is out. It's wide, right? Natty light on the website. It's wide, And then on Twitter, it's at, at wide RT Natty LT. We've got, you know, all, all of our other stuff is, is just wide, right? Natty light, Whatever you can look up. There's, if you find if you find somebody else using that name, I would be blown
1: away. Um,
0: <laughs> Okay, you get, We have a Discord server that you can find. Uh, it's in our pinned tweet on Twitter. We've got YouTube channel, Discord, or yeah, Discord, uh, uh Twitch, a, a bunch of podcasts. I think we're, at, we're, up to four, we're up to four or five a week now. Um, we've got tons and tons and tons of content. If you're uh, if you're looking for Iowa State content, we've got it for you. <laughs> um, but yeah, even even though you know, even though it was we're an Iowa State website, we actually I actually do recommend you know join the Discord server if you're looking for something like that. We have a, we have fans from all over the Big 12 in there, um, a bunch of Kansas State fans and a few Kansas State fans, a uh, good chunk of Oklahoma State fans. There we have some TCU people, stuff like that. Um, we've got a little good little contingent from from a few different fan bases. Um, so definitely recommend that. It's Excellent discussion. If you're if you're if you're a little bit sick of the traditional online forum, Discord, you know, our Discord server is a good a good uh, change of pace for you.
1: He is wide right Natty Light. Thanks again to Levi for coming on this edition of Up Next to give us a pulse check of Cyclone Nation and to offer up his thoughts on the direction in which this season is headed for Iowa State. You hear the frustration in his voice when he talks about this offense, and I do think some of that is justified, but in the same breath, if you are an Iowa State fan, you you do need to take a step back and acknowledge the program-defining talent and production that walked out the door this past offseason, losing your all-time leading passer in Brock Purdy, losing the school's second all-time leading rusher in Brees Hall, a guy who just missed being a day one NFL draft selection, losing objectively the school's best tight end in Charlie Kohler, another NFL draft pick. That's a lot to have to replace. And This is unfortunately just the lot in life that you have as an Iowa State fan, as a Kansas State fan, a Texas Tech fan, or TCU, whatever the case may be, where you're just unfortunately not going to have a high caliber four or five star prospect waiting in the wings to give you the same type of production when his number gets called and he gets named a starter at whatever position Iowa state's finding that out right now. And Tom Manning, the offensive coordinator is being tasked with trying to re-engineer this offense and and make it framed around Hunter Decker's strengths. But Iowa state just from a roster standpoint, maybe wasn't necessarily built around deploying an offensive attack. That's going to wing the ball around 45 to 50 times a game. And, Iowa State's at a crossroads right now, and to that point, this is a big-time opportunity for Kansas State. I'm not saying this is going to be a cakewalk for the Wildcats by any means. This is going to be, objectively, in my mind, harder than going in and beating Oklahoma. Yes, you've seen K-State go and do it in a nighttime environment and a hostile crowd, but in the same breath, I, I think Iowa State's off uh, defense rather is far more formidable than What K-State saw against Oklahoma and this K-State defense on the flip side is going to have some opportunities. Can they make Hunter Decker see ghosts? Can they limit this Iowa State passing attack and Xavier Hutchinson, one of the best receivers in college football? There's a lot. That K State's going to need to do if it wants to come out of Ames with a win. And I don't want to get too deep into the matchup just because there's going to be another College and Kimball episode showing up in your feed on Friday. I'll be reconnecting with my co host, Justin Nutter, to break down every angle of Armageddon, talk about the high level narratives and what a win would mean for Kansas State. So, I'm gonna save a lot of this for that episode. Go ahead and give that a download when it does drop in your feed. I greatly appreciate you for listening to this installment of Up Next. Follow us on Twitter at college underscore Kimball if you haven't done so already. With all that being said, I'm gonna close this one out the way that I always do. Catspan. If you know, you know.